Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Does God have the right to tell us how to live? Okay, we're going to have a big altar call. Some of the rest of you are afraid to say yes, or you don't believe that. Well, I'm going to show you how you answer that question will determine where you will spend eternity. If you believe that God has no business telling you how to do life, you're in trouble. For the last few decades, there has been an emphasis in society on what's called self-esteem. This has been stressed in schools at all levels as well as in the popular culture. You need to feel good about yourself. And similar phrases are what you'll hear. Pastor Mark will be teaching that this mindset will only lead you to frustration because it ignores or rejects the truth about who you are and why you're here. You'll find out that if you take a look at your life from God's perspective, that you'll find your true reason for existence. After embracing God's viewpoint, you'll be able to find the peace and contentment you're seeking. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 as he begins his message, Live to Please God. This is a great teaching because it's right where Paul talks about what things that are so, so applicable to us. And that's why we've asked our students to stay in with us here so that we can share with them as well, because it's a topic that touches all of us. So I encourage you to do that. I'm going to ask you a question. I don't want you to answer it because I'm going to answer it for you. You say, well, that's like stupid. Well, you know, it works. Here it is. How did you get here on earth? Everybody got here the same way. Now you kind of know where I'm going, I assume. Okay, if not, I'll have an ABC class for you. We all got here because of God's plan. After God created the heavens and the earth, God created a man, Adam, in his image. Then God created a woman, Eve, to solve man's problem. It didn't take long for man to have a problem. (laughs) You know what the problem was? He was lonely. Guys, thank your wife today. Thank you. I'm not lonely. Thank you. Thank you so much. Then God joined Adam and Eve, man and woman, and he put them in a relationship that nobody had ever heard of before called marriage. And that relationship was a triangle. It was a man, a husband, a woman, a wife, and God at the top of the triangle. It's a holy triangle. And God called that relationship 
marriage. Never heard before. And God defined marriage. Listen now, this is very important. As one man and one woman in that relationship with each other and God for life. Let me just share with you something. That definition, no matter what the world does with it, will never be changed by God. It's always, always one man, one woman for life with God. Now, the next thing God did was he gave a little of instruction, stay away from that tree. Don't go there, don't eat from it. And then he instructed man how to do life right. And here's what he said to them. The Bible says God blessed them and said to them, Adam and Eve, the only people alive, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Well, we had to go to chapter three and then Satan came on the scene and caused all kinds of problems. Then we went to chapter four. Here we are. This is in Genesis. And Adam had sexual relations with his wife, Eve. And she became pregnant. And when she gave birth to Cain, she said, with the Lord's help, she kind of forgot the husband had a little help, but with the Lord's help, I have produced a man. Now, this is the answer. I ask you, how did you get here on earth? Here it is. This is how all of us got on the earth. You got here because of God's gift of sexuality. He designed that into man and woman. That's how we replenish the earth. Now, notice, whose idea was marriage? God's. Now, most people understand that, but they don't get the sex thing. Somehow they think Las Vegas designed sex. Hello. No, God designed sex. Now, some of you are going to be new to the church and go say, Pastor Mark, you mentioned the word S-E-X. What's the problem? After God did all this, you know what he said? It is good. Hello. If there's any place we ought to understand what God talks about sex, it starts in the church and it starts in the home. You got it? So relax. I have a bed, but relax. All right. My wife is not here. Now, (laughs) as you understand, from the book of Genesis to Revelation, we have God's word, God's will, that teaches people how to do life right. That's why we're here studying. So Paul begins this chapter. I just didn't pick this topic out of the wind. It's exactly where we are, chapter 4. In Thessalonians. So turn there in your Bibles, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1. Paul says it like this. Finally, brothers, we instructed you how to live in order to circle this in your Bible. Please God. As in fact, you are living right now. In other words, Paul says, I'm so proud of you. Remember, he's talking to a church of brand new believers. And he says to them, I've been teaching you how to please God. You're doing good. But now look what he says. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. In other words, he's talking about a lifestyle. You're doing good. Thank you. You thank you. But you need to keep on it because there's a spiritual battle out there with Satan. So just keep doing things to please God. So first thing you want to write 
today is simply this. Pleasing God is a motive. It's why we, we want to please God if you're a Christian. And a lifestyle, it's not an event, it's a lifestyle throughout the Bible. It's always there. We see it from beginning to end. Now, here's another question for you. Does God have the right, this is very important to today's topic, does God have the right to tell us how to live? Okay, we're going to have a big altar call. Some of the rest of you are afraid to say yes, or you don't believe that. Well, I'm going to show you how you answer that question will determine where you will spend eternity. If you believe that God has no business telling you how to do life, you're in trouble in every area of life. Now, if you believe that God does have that right, you're going to end up in the place you want to end up in. Now you say, well, Pastor Mark, that's pretty strong. No, it's biblical. Now look at verse 2, because Paul answers the question I just gave you. Look at it. Paul says to this little group of believers, for you know what instructions we gave you by the, here's the word, the authority of the Lord Jesus. Paul answers our question. God has the right and authority to tell every single one of us how to live because he created us. Now, the world doesn't believe that. Half the time, they don't even believe in creation. We just happened. No, God created us. And because of that, he has the authority to tell us how to do life. So here's the first please you want to write down. We please God by admitting that he alone can tell us how to do life right. Now think about this. Psalm 119, 105 says it like this. Your word, the Bible, what God says to us, the Bible is God's mind. Here's how you do life. Your word is a lamp to my feet. It shows me the next step. And a light for my path. It's not just the next step. It's the path of life, how to do life. But remember, the scripture says the steps of a righteous man and woman are ordered by the Lord. Now, since God can tell me how to do life, that's good. Getting information. You're going to receive a lot of information today on an area of sexuality that God has in the scripture. But it's no good to receive the information unless there's obedience. See, if I, if I come every week and we study every kind of topic from A to Z, and we know the Bible, but we don't obey it, we're not pleasing God. So here's what you want to write next. We please God by obeying God and his word. It's not enough to have knowledge. We have to put it into practice, that application in our life. 1 John 3.22 says it like this. And we will receive from him whatever we ask because we what? Come on. We obey him and do the things that, say it with me, pleases him. We receive whatever we ask because we obey him and we do the things that please him. That's the way we please God. Now, Paul had taught these young believers many principles from the word of God. And now in this passage of scripture, just in these next seven or eight verses, 
He's going to tell them some more ways to please God. Very specific, right from God. Now, here we go, starting in chapter 4, verse 3. It is God's will, Paul is teaching this, that you should be sanctified. I'll explain that in a moment. And that you should avoid sexual immorality. Now, notice he says, this is God's will. God's will is found in God's word. Now, sometimes the specific will of God is not found here, but it always goes by the right principles. For instance, in a few weeks, I think it's two weeks, we're going to celebrate just in a little bit at the start of our services, uh, 27 years of a church. We've been here 27 years. God bless us many years ago. You know, when I decided to come here, I turned to 1 Samuel, and it said, Pastor Mark, start a church in Melbourne. (laughs) I have that underlined. Yeah, give me a break. No, but I knew what the will of God was. I didn't have the directions, but the Holy Spirit gave me the directions. Remember, you have the Holy Spirit. He leads us. So it was exactly what God wanted to do. Now, that's what Paul is basically saying to them. Now, what is that word sanctification? When you get saved, the first step of salvation is justification, just as if I never sinned. And then it moves to sanctification, which is basically this set apart from sin, dedicated to God. Another word from that is holy. Sanctification is not an event. It's a whole lifestyle of us trying to make sure that our life is pleasing to God because we're not really dulling around in sin and we're trying to dedicate our lives to God. Now, the word that you see there, avoid, is actually the word abstain. So it says this, abstain from sin, to hold off from, to distance oneself from, to have nothing to do with sexual sin. So Paul says, if I'm going to please God, I have to live a holy life and stay away from sexual sin. Now, that's hard because the gift that God gave us of sexuality is a strong drive. It's a credible drive. You know, you have other things that God put in you. It's a drive in your life. It's a force in your life. Let me give you one. Breathing. Have you ever lost your breath for a minute? (laughs) That's a desire God put in you. That's something that you have to respond to. What another one? Can I say that eating is something that God put in us? Don't think about lunch now. Just answer the question. <laughs> of course it is. It drives us. It's, it's, how about sexuality? It's one of the most powerful things in the world. So what God meant for good, guess what Satan does? He turns it bad. But that is nothing wrong with sex. It's perfect if we do it God's way. Now, Paul says you have to live life holy, separated from sexual sin. Now, sexual immorality... The Greek word for that should light up your eyes. The Greek word is pornea. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Yeah, what word comes to your mind? Pornography, of course. Now, that's interesting, isn't it? You've never seen this sign. Come on in here for sexual sin. You'll never see that. It's right there in front of us in a million ways. But there it is. Now, what is that? Here's the definition of pornea. It is every kind of sexual activity. Notice, every kind of sexual activity before marriage and outside of marriage. That's a great definition. You see, this bed 
here represents marriage. It's one man and one woman in love with God and in love with each other. Now, it's not the bed. That represents marriage. So what that word means is, if I'm having sexual activity outside of marriage, it's called adultery. If I'm having it before marriage, hello, fornication, sex before marriage. And so it's defined very simple. So here it is. It isn't just about the act. Sexual sin covers sins of the mind. I'll remind you this at the end. Remember one day Jesus and Matthew, he kind of enlarged the definition. He says this, if a man or a woman even looks at another man or woman with lust, they've already committed adultery in their heart. That's why as I'm going through this today, some of you are sitting here and you're saying, Pastor Mark, I've never had a sexual problem in my life. I don't even know why I'm sitting here now. This doesn't apply to me at all. Let me just say this, liar, liar, pants on fire. (laughs) There's nobody here that can say I've never been, I never had a second of lust or looking at somebody. Wrong. Let me mention the beach. You know, when I go to the beach, I put goggles on so I can't see nothing. No, I don't. My wife actually does for me. Now, women, you say, well, we don't have that problem. Sorry. Yes, you do. So as we go through this, don't go be out there and say, I'm better than you are. No, we all are sinners from the beginning, right? It's not just about sexual sin. It's about sin, period. So as we go through this, understand there. Now, what does that look like? What does that list look like? Here it is. It includes impure sexual lust, what I just talked about, prostitution, incest, homosexuality, lesbianism, bestiality from the Leviticus, premarital sex, extramarital sex, which is it all, and every form of pornography. That's the definition. So Paul says, stay away from this. Why would Paul 2,000 years ago teach about this to brand new Christians. Well, here's why. Sexual sin, pornea, was rampant in the Roman Empire. That's where he was. He was writing from Corinth. The church at Corinth had a huge problem with sexuality. He's writing to the church in Thessalonica. It was part of that same thing. Now, idol worship in the pagan temples in those days, idol worship, When you would go to the temple to pray to an idol that couldn't do anything for you, there were prostitutes right there. You just paid for them to have sex and worship their idol at the same time. Now, can you imagine that? That was the lifestyle. But it didn't end there. We know from the Romans, we know from history, they would have young boys lined up at the altar and you could have whatever kind of sex if you're a woman or a man with this little boy. Well, does that sound familiar to you today? What do we see in our churches and places and on our world? This is from the Roman Empire. And the very church where these people were, remember who was in this church? The Jewish people would know, no, 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 we're not doing that. They came to Christ. But the pagans, here's what Paul's saying is, that's your lifestyle that you came from. See, before God, they didn't know the Bible. They didn't know it was wrong. They thought it was fine. That's what they were taught to do. Just use that sexual drive and go for it. And now Paul's saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. I know it's going to be a problem because you might have kind of got into it 
And now I'm telling you, that is not right. That's not the way to please God. You can't live in that kind of a sin. So Paul is addressing a current situation right there in both of those churches. So can I just say this to you? When you think about what's happening there, Paul had to teach the standards from God. Now, you just shared with me that God has the right to tell us how to do life. Well, that includes the sexual area. But sexual temptations affects everyone, believers and unbelievers. In fact, when you go back to the Bible, some of the things I'll talk to you about today are back in the book of Leviticus, right at the first five books of the Bible, right at the beginning. All these definitions of what sexuality is was right there from the start. So that temptation has always been with us, the Old Testament, the New Testament, and smack dab in the middle today for us. So how can I live in a world that's just filled with sexual temptation and avoid sexual sin? Here it is. Look at verse 4 and 5. Paul says that each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the heathen or like the unbelievers who do not know God. Now, unbelievers, Paul knew this, do not have a personal relationship with God. And when you don't have a personal relationship with God, you have nothing to do with God's Bible. So they don't know God's word. And thus, they don't see that anything's wrong. God designed Christ followers to know him personally. And that makes all the difference in the world. Remember, when you became a Christian and you got rid of all your sins, God's grace and his love for us, who did he put inside of us at that moment of salvation? Who came to live in you? What kind of spirit? The Holy Spirit. He came to live in us. Holy is a powerful word to us. That means I have God living inside of me. And because of that, I don't have to worry about the temptation. I have somebody helping me. The Holy Spirit gives us the power to, come on, say what? No to temptation. Is that true? It's 100% true. See, he not only convicts unbelievers, he convicts you. Again, go back to the beach story. Take a quick look. Guy, gal, whatever. Or something on TV, you take a quick look. Something on your iPhone. You ever get some of this stuff that you come up, where did that come from? You think that's planned? Oh, that's planned. So how do I handle that temptation? Well, if I'm there staring at it like this, I think the Holy Spirit's going to go, excuse me. If I glance at it, I know enough what? Forget it. Just move on. So you're not going to hear from the Holy Spirit because you already know Well, you shouldn't be watching it. So understand this. Paul knew how powerful that was. So he writes to the church at Corinth. Look at that. He's writing to the church at Corinth. Look what it says. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body. But he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Now look at the first words. Flee from sexual immorality. In today's message, Pastor Mark taught about sex. He told you that sex was God's idea and a gift to mankind. He also talked about the fact that after the fall, as men got further away from God, the things God gave to men became corrupted as well. You were taught that the way to get balance and harmony back into your life is by knowing God better and obeying Him. 
There's so much to learn from Pastor Mark's current series, so be sure to join us again. In the meantime, we'd like to offer you a CD copy of today's message for your own archives or for you to share with friends and family. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on Order a Message at the top of the page. There you'll be asked for the mailing information and be sure to include today's date. Each CD costs $5 to cover materials and shipping. Again, to order your CD copy, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time, Pastor Mark will continue his teaching, Live to Please God. He'll be teaching on the relationship between sexual purity and a strong relationship with God. He'll be speaking about your need to exercise godly discipline in every area of your life. You'll discover that obedience to God and spending time developing a deeper relationship with God is the key to godly living. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.